It takes more than spending three hours learning an editor plugin that will save you a lifetime total of 20 minutes to be a great software engineer. This is the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly podcast where we answer your questions about the technical field of software development that are not technical questions. Mm. Like I will not tell you the keyboard shortcut I used to do my laundry this morning. <laughs> it's 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 a long sequence of thousands of key combinations that takes you longer than doing your laundry to enter. That's right. <laughs> yeah, actually this doesn't happen to me as much anymore because I think I've become like the programmer equivalent of a hunt and peck typer. Okay. I just like do the I just type on my keys to program. I don't try to maximize my efficiency of using all of the editor features I possibly can. But I used to <laughs> when I used Vim a lot, and I did spend a ton of time just cycling through these plugins that try to dramatically alter the way that you work right? and always slow you down at first, but supposedly someday speed you up. That's right. And also you've moved into management where the tools are just less capable. Like, Don't you talk about Excel <laughs> in that tone of voice? <laughs> There's plenty to learn on Excel, I'm sure. That one, that one might, might be a poignant example or a counterexample. Yeah. I mean, PowerPoint's turning complete. Is it? Well, yeah, I think I think we talked about this on the show before. Yeah. Someone made a Turing complete PowerPoint by using animations and slide transitions. Oh, that's awesome. That's not what this show's about. No. <laughs> Do you want to thank our patrons, Dave? Sure. Let's uh, give a shout out to those who are contributing at the level where we say their name or whatever text they ask us to say or interpret whatever emoji they put on the input form every single week. They are Andrew Pollock, the Yeet Your Job podcast, Avery Sturzy, Ian Walter, Arun Dunna, Kashokton, Ohio, Cameron Hall, Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Testing is Documenting.org, Fizzbuzz Influencer, Oladapo Fadi, Kieran Svainson, Will Angel, Ragnar Hardison, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, John Grant, I Bought Winrar, Nick Kantar, Philip John Basile. Thank you so much to those folks and to everyone who contributes any amount because we express our thanks not just with words, but also with invitations to our Slack community, which we send out the first week of every month should be coming pretty soon here if it hasn't already by the time you hear this and feel free to go over to softskills.audio and click the support us on patreon button and we will send you a slack invitation and you can join the hundreds of people i it just boggles my mind to say that but there are literally hundreds of people there and they are awesome it's a happy bunch this episode is sponsored by hired which is the best way for engineers to find their next job and you will hear about them later Want to read our first question, Dave? You bet. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, I keep hearing about Web3 DAOs and smart contracts. Part of me wants to get excited about these and other shiny things, but I just don't seem to care all that much anymore. How long into your careers did you all stop getting excited about shiny stuff? And how do you keep <laughs> learning when it is not at all that exciting to you anymore? Maybe it's time to be a manager. <laughs> <laughs> Making a lot of assumptions there in that question. I will expose my biases fully. I think Web3 and crypto in general is is just a horrible waste of resources. The only good thing about it is it concentrates a lot of the scammers and shady people into one group that I know I can avoid <laughs> instead of them being spread out over lots of fields. But I, I, yeah, there are people who feel different. I think it is just worse than useless and and shady and awful so that disclaimer aside actually i'm gonna keep ragging on it not caring about the blockchain <laughs> does not mean you don't care about new shiny things okay 
it's not shiny. I mean, it's interesting and horrible. So it's fine if if that's not getting you excited. There's there's other stuff that isn't horrible that is also interesting. So just because you don't care about the blockchain or Web3 or DAOs or smart contracts doesn't mean you don't care about new shiny things. I think I already said that though. Yeah, this is this is not a good example of of No, I already said that too. I literally can't remember <laughs> the words I was finishing up. It's only been moments, Jameson. Yeah. This is how bad the blockchain is for you. Not only <laughs> not only is it in your in your opinion, which I may or may not disagree with, not only is it bad for everyone, but also it makes you forget what you just said five minutes ago. Well, here's the thing. Maybe if I instead replaced my brain with a distributed hash data structure, yes, <laughs> then for for every blockchain related problem, there's a dot 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 long how this helps left as an exercise to the reader, and then the last step is like make a token. And then, yeah, so I, I guess I'll go it. explore that. Well, somehow that solves the problem. Okay. <laughs> it's unclear how. Okay. Good good job. I don't know if I should say this on the air or not. I guess I'll... I don't think it's private. Yeah, when I worked at Walmart, they started up a group to do blockchain-related technology. And as far as I can tell, they never did anything <laughs> like besides generate press reports. Is that because they all got rich <laughs> and then left? I think they were talking about using the blockchain to verify freshness of produce, which oh seems... Gosh. I'm, I'm going to try really hard not to turn this into me just repeating all the <laughs> sick burns of blockchain <laughs> stuff I've heard other people say. Uh, wow. There's a class of sick burns that's like, use Postgres. It's like Postgres, but worse. <laughs> There's a class of sick burns that is like, you're destroying the environment. What are some other... I don't know. I can we'll run through them all. James, sure. I can tell that you feel very strongly about this because you I really, do. I <laughs> I despise it. Oh, you really man. took us in a technical turn that we don't usually go that deep on. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know. It's not because I had heated feelings. It's because I talked about Merkle trees. And just you know, just to make sure that we're clear here, while you were talking, I actually went over to Coinbase and bought some Bitcoin. <laughs> You know, I think I've talked about this on the show before. When Bitcoin was, I think it was 2011 or something, when it was a niche thing and had not mm-hmm. taken off, I tried to get my expenses reimbursed in Bitcoin. Okay. And it didn't work yet. <laughs> it was a checkbox on, on our expense reporting software that was one of those fake checkboxes that startups put on to see if anyone's interested. Oh. So instead of getting me potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars today, <laughs> it instead got me an email from someone there saying, oh, hey. Thanks for showing interest in this. Maybe we'll build it someday. And here's your dollars. <laughs> so it's possible that all of my all of my distaste for blockchain is just really misplaced, like angst of not not hitting it rich from it, yeah from that one expense report. Going to lunch, buying <laughs> yeah. a pizza, and then Retiring. ten years later being a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is really funny. Okay, well now that you know, I mean, I feel good about this therapy session. Now we understand that. Your disdain for blockchain actually has nothing to do with reality other than just this resentment for not retiring <laughs> off that pizza you bought. It is. Okay, good to know. Yeah, what about the question, though? Back to the question. <laughs> How long into your careers did y'all stop getting excited about shiny stuff? I still get excited about shiny stuff. Well, I was going to say that, too. That's not true. What do you mean? This is nuanced. I get excited about shiny stuff, but I have now like 100 qualifiers about my excitement. You know, that there have been shiny things that I got excited about that then turned out to be full of sharp edges that left my fingers all bloody. 
<laughs> a year later. And so now I think I approach shiny stuff with a little more trepidation. So as you've moved back in, into management, do you get excited about shiny engineering management things like you used to about programming languages or frameworks or whatever the, the shiny thing was? No, in fact, I think I have the opposite reaction. I think I hear about shiny new management things and my default reaction is, oh, that's probably a bunch of crap. <laughs> and it all leads back to the blockchain. Yeah, obviously. In a circle. <laughs> yeah, I think I still get excited about shiny stuff, but I get less... Uh, first, I'm I am not as early of an adopter as I used to be because I can't, don't have the energy to keep up on the cutting edge with as many things at the same time as I used to. So I, I'm often excited after seeing more social proof that it looks interesting instead of just like reading a page and thinking it looked cool and then trying it. And I also feel like I'm more excited about like bigger, I don't know how to say this, bigger, bigger things. Like I used to get excited if I found out some cool new way to work with collections or something like that. And now, now I'm jaded. Collections just all look the same to me. Yeah. Uh, but, but if there's some like, I don't know, new infrastructure as code thing or something that has like a, a larger team level impact that's still technical. That's pretty exciting to me. Yeah, me me too. I get excited while you were talking, I thought about this. I get excited by results. And so when I see something new and shiny, like, oh, did you hear AWS now has Postgres support in RDS? That's a few years ago. I'm like, great, let's implement it. And I will get excited when I see the cost savings or when I see the productivity increases or when I see the hours spent patching the operating system go down. You know, that's what I get excited about. So if I can look at a graph and see it move in a positive direction because of something we did, that's when I get excited. And so the tool that I choose to get there or the web framework or the whatever, I actually don't get excited about it all. I only care about the outcomes. So you get excited about numbers going up and down. Oh, for sure. Like graphs that move in dramatic and positive <laughs> ways. are That is what I live for now. Okay. Doesn't sound very fulfilling when you talk about it that oh, way. <laughs> no, it's, it's so fulfilling. It's awesome. Like, I'll, I'll give you one example. You know, we identified an opportunity to increase uh, the performance of our web application maybe six or eight months ago. <clears throat> And the reason I, we identified it is because we were looking at a graph and we were like, oh my goodness, the response time on this thing is like hundreds of milliseconds slower than it should be. And it gets used all the time. So this is going to make a material difference for our users and for our systems availability. So I saw the graph. I you know, created a ticket, had an engineer implement it. And then when it went to production, I watched that graph drop by 80%. And I'm like, oh, beautiful. <laughs> like all these endorphins. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah. Do you think you got as much satisfaction out of it as the engineer who implemented it? No, I think that I don't think at all. In fact, I think they were like, oh, good. You know, I did what my boss said and now my boss is happy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like that. Like, I, I look at things like our customers, are they being successful? Is usage going up? Is, is, our, is our customer experience better? That's the stuff that gets me excited, you know, and can't like, and then figuring out how to measure that. Like, for example, rolling out like a tool that's going to help us get more insight into how our users are doing and, and how they like the product and what parts of the product they use more than others. And like, that's what gets me excited is so that I know I can now have uh, visualizations of the good that we're doing instead of just, Ooh, I can type this code this way now. Hmm. So excitement about shiny stuff. It sounds like for both of us has kind of shifted from where it used to be. Do you think that means it's time to be a manager or is there room to be an individual contributor that isn't excited about shiny new things? I, I could see some people thinking that's that's kind of the death knell for your career. Is where, when you stop uh, being excited? 
Yeah, then you then the the end of that road is some jaded Pascal programmer in twenty thirty <laughs> or something where you you've just you learned up until you stopped learning and then you just did that same thing as long as someone would pay you for it and then just coasting hoped that yeah hope that they kept paying you until you wanted to retire instead of right. stopped before then i i do think that there is something youthful about excitement about new technologies that uh, where what you're saying is kind of true i do think that it's good to be excited and want to try new ways of doing things i think that's a really good thing actually i think it's a little bit immature though because it's kind of uh, it's kind of like you're you're excited about things that, that might not matter. Yeah. You know, just because something is new doesn't necessarily mean that it's better, more efficient, more valuable, gives better outcomes. It is just new. And, and so I think if you can channel your excitement toward outcomes, I think you will be better off all in all. Because you can maintain the excitement and also focus the excitement on things that actually matter. Do you think you need some vanguard of people who are just excited about the thing itself so that it can bubble back up to the outcome-focused people? Maybe, as long as they're not in charge of decision-making. <laughs> <laughs> like I've, I, You've heard of teams, right, where the, the leader is just super excited about new technologies, and so the team is just constantly churning. They're, just, they're thrashing between technologies, and they end up with this code base that's terrible and doesn't deliver, and, and it, all in the name of, well, this is new and hot. we got to do the new hotness. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do think you need that. I, and I love it. Like sometimes, sometimes I'll say that when you get a little bit jaded, like maybe I am, you are so leery of trying new things that you kind of actively ignore them sometimes. And so yeah, I think you do need to surround yourself by people who are naturally excited by just new stuff, shiny stuff, so that you can at least make sure you're aware of it and evaluate it on a level playing field instead of just ignoring it. Yeah. That sounds kind of like my email prioritization strategy, which is if it's important, someone will remind me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just ignore the new stuff. If enough developers tell me, hey, we should really check this thing out, then it's worth checking out. That's that's kind of how I use Twitter. You know, I, I watch for new things that are being talked about, and then I wait to hear them get talked about by more than just their creator. And then I look at the people who are using them and I watch them for a little while and I say, okay, what, what are the outcomes they're getting? And then I go for it with new stuff. And, and again, it all leads back to blockchain because if you do that, you'll see a bunch of people who scam and steal and get stolen from and then some very excited people trying to make a buck and then some company trying to do something that would be better done with Postgres. Right. <laughs> it's, it's answered. Oh, man. How do you know it's answered? Have we achieved distributed consensus? <laughs> Something about a 51% attack. I don't know. I, I fully admit I don't know enough about the technical details of the blockchain, but it's fine. I don't. Since when did you have to know something to dislike something? <laughs> this is my right as a human in the internet age to just have knee-jerk reactions against stuff. Of course. <laughs> hey, Jameson, have you heard about the Great Resignation? Is it that Charles Dickens book? Wait, no. The entire population on Earth has started taking our advice of quit your job. Oh, yes, that's right. Apparently, we have achieved influencer status. We've been telling developers for years to quit their jobs, and now we want to tell you how to do it. We're ready to reveal the secret. I mean, you don't just walk out shooting finger guns. <laughs> yes, well, you do that first. But after you do that, there's a new service we want to tell you about called Hired. What is Hired, Dave? Hired is the biggest AI-driven marketplace that matches engineers with companies. It is a great way to find your next job. I've been watching this industry for 20 years with a 
keen interest on hiring in particular, and I've never seen anything like Hired. Tell me about what you're seeing. So I've interviewed about 150 people in the last year, and I am serious. Every candidate that's come to me through Hired has multiple offers, and they're incredibly high, scary high, like 30% higher than other candidates. Is that before or after the finger guns? (laughs) Yeah, uh, both. (laughs) The beauty is it's totally free for engineers, uh, and we would love for you to go try it. Go to Hired.com slash soft skills to check it out. Hired.com slash soft skills. Quit your job the best way and check out Hired. Okay, you want to read our next question? Absolutely. This is from an anonymous listener. Every workday seems to start the same way. I check Slack, then procrastinate for about two hours before feeling so guilty about getting nothing done that I actually start doing some work. Once I get started, I don't have any issues concentrating. I want to work, I like my job, but I also can't crack this habit. I am assuming this is not normal. Any ideas that could help me out? P.S. I think it might not be true, though. I used to be better at getting started before work from home was the norm. Ah, work from home procrastination, perhaps. It's so much more fun. (laughs) What is? (laughs) Well, it depends. It can be so much more fun to procrastinate at home. Yeah, than procrastinating in the office? Yeah, although, I mean, if you live in... If you're in a tiny apartment, maybe it's not very fun. If if you don't have a, a comfortable working setup at home, I could see that not being fun. And if you live in one of the like Disneyland playground style offices. That could be pretty fun. <laughs> that I think are kind of falling out of fashion a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I think you're right. But it, that still might be fun. You go just do laps on the go-karts or whatever. Yeah. I was just thinking go-karts too. I was thinking, oh. I need to have a bigger house so I can have a go-kart track inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, an admirable goal. But before I was waffling, I yeah, I think... This definitely makes sense that it's a bigger problem at home because home is more distracting. It it's is. not the place you go to do work for your whole life. Yeah, like your home has a office. kitchen in it, <laughs> for yeah. example. And for me, it's like wander to the kitchen, open the fridge, look at it for a few minutes. <laughs> you know what else it has? What? It has a bed. Yeah. <laughs> a, a bed that's not out in the open. I guess you could just pull a power move and your office probably has couches. You just sleep on a couch in the middle of the office. <laughs> I got to say, I've never, you know, I've been working from home now for a couple of years and I've never been tempted to go sleep in my bed in the workday. That's interesting. But thank you for opening my eyes to the possibility. You're welcome. Have I? I don't know if I've ever slept in my bed. During the workday? I mean, if I've been sick for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have slept on my floor. I've taken plenty of power naps on the floor. Oh, Really? Yeah, I think we've talked about this before too. It's awesome. It, I, I, if you can pull it off, I recommend it. I feel like it makes me a happier, more productive human. How long is your power nap? Uh, it can be like twenty minutes. That's amazing. And you just yeah. lay down on your floor, close your eyes, sleep for twenty minutes, wake up. Yeah, incredible. Do you set an alarm? Well, sometimes it's longer. Yeah, sometimes it's also limited by when my next meeting is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, like. If I have 15 minutes till the next meeting, then that's that's how long I have. Are you one of those people that gets groggy when you wake up? No, not really. Uh, if I take a giant nap, I'm groggy. If I take a short nap, I'm not. Okay. And like most people, I never get enough sleep at night. But I feel like I am more tired than other people who also don't get enough sleep at night. Hmm. I feel like somehow I have I have a lower sleep deficit tolerance or something. Like, Anyways... So just pat yourself on the back when you take a two-hour nap at the beginning of the day. <laughs> yes, check Slack, back to bed for two hours. Yeah, nothing I'm in Slack. I'm being productive. <laughs> this two-hour power nap will definitely help me. 
be more productive in my now super reduced work time. Yeah. You could... What am I going to say next? I don't know. Sorry, I'm just babbling. That's because you need a power nap, obviously. I have not had one today. Oh, so I'm well, off my game. Let me just say, it's showing. <laughs> Maybe I'll wake up from a nap and think, you know what I need to do is buy some Ethereum. Yeah, exactly. Once I get started, I don't have any issues concentrating. So it sounds like it's a habit now. I mean, whether what, whatever started it off is, I, I assume it's working from home and the general upheaval and routine that that had. But it's really easy, especially working from home. I've found that habits are have much more of a sway over me than they did in the office because there are less, there are fewer habits imposed on me. Yeah. So, so habits are powerful, and good news is you can change them. Mm, I don't know about that. I've read a lot of airport psychology books that say you can. Okay. You're telling me those are all wrong. <laughs> all those bestsellers. Uh, yeah. I mean, how do they get to be bestsellers if they're wrong? I guess is the question. Yeah, or, or, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the question. I think the key is, is like, add a next step after check Slack that is something productive. A way that I have heard other people do this is they, they end their day with some note-taking that helps them pick up the context when they start back up because... And they read those notes the first thing next day? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of Yeah, cool. I guess if you just write them down and don't read them, then you still procrastinate for two hours. But if, if part of the reason you procrastinate is you should have a lot of stuff to do and it's kind of all happening at once and it's not clear what the most important thing is and it, mm-hmm. it can be hard to kind of pick back up where you ended. But if you make that easier... Uh, maybe maybe it's easier to just dive back into the code you were doing. Yeah, maybe. That's a good idea. The other thing I was thinking is it sounds like this team doesn't have, well, one one of two things, or or neither, or both, is that this team... <laughs> <laughs> there are zero, one, two, or more things happening here. It's an infinite set of things. <laughs> the possibilities are limitless. I'm thinking maybe this team doesn't have stand up first thing in their work day where you actually sit down and talk to each other about what you're going to do and then jump into it or they have it but it's not very motivating it's you know like so often stand up can become a not a kind of a demotivating event where you just show up say the words you're supposed to say and then end the call but i find that when i'm at stand up and it's well run i will leave stand up feeling motivated to go do the thing that I need to do for that day and get a jump start on it. So I don't know. Maybe that's a, an answer here is that your stand-up is ineffective. Hmm. I've never thought about that before. Uh, stand-up as, as not just a thing to share information in the team, but a demarcation point of, of now the work starts and then you just go do the thing. I think that's kind of what stand-ups were supposed to be when they were originally conceived of by the extreme programming people or whatever they are. Maybe... I could share an article I wrote in our show notes, but I actually wrote an article about this because I saw so many stand-ups really over the last, what, 10 years or so that I've been doing stand-ups that are just not good. <laughs> and I think there's more, you know, I think a lot of people just see stand-up as a status report. You know, everyone shows up and says what they where they are on their progress. But that's really not, I think that's only one of one part of stand-up and, and frankly, not not the most important one. So maybe I'll put this in our show notes, but I got an article about what uh, the three things that a stand-up should do are you gonna did you just clickbait us are you gonna reveal what the things are are you you won't believe require people to read it let me just say that (laughs) (laughs) 
So even if you don't have a stand-up, again, work from home, maybe the workplace is more distributed. Sometimes that can make stand-ups, synchronous stand-ups hard. Some some kind of demarcation point, even if yeah. you produce it yourself, could be useful. I mean, probably the standard stuff about like exercise and get ready for the day and don't just like slump from your bed to your keyboard, do more things to, to separate work from home life. That probably all helps. I wouldn't know though. <laughs> We're all very bad at this, yes. I think. <laughs> all those articles about it are all just people pretending like they do it all, just kind of yeah. smiling, but secretly inside their, well, not secretly inside, secretly behind their keyboards while they're writing these articles, they're in their pajamas. Oh yeah, for sure. And they're writing the article at like nine o'clock at night because they haven't done a good job of separating their home and work life. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they've just taken advantage of the asynchronous work from home thing to work. I don't know, like India hours, I guess. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be it? <laughs> or just all hours. Or <laughs> that all seems hours. To be the more common pattern. That is true. I haven't, it, I've seen people, yeah, I've seen people expand them. I haven't seen people not. I'm my nap. I need it. I need Dave. I'm just dying. <laughs> Look, we're just gonna pause recording for twenty minutes so Jameson can lay down, catch up on his sleep. We'll be back, and we're back. Jameson, you feeling better? I am. It really helped to leave my headphones on and have you just lulling me to sleep that whole time. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> we're counting bits. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I like my job, but I also can't crack this habit. I I also want to touch on one other thing here. I feel super, I feel so guilty. That's what they say. I have had periods of time where I haven't worked very effectively and feeling guilty is miserable. It makes work miserable. So I, I empathize with that a lot. It, Yeah, feeling guilty because you're not working like you think you should be is pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Because in my experience, you can never catch up. You can never make up for it to make the feeling go away, even if you make up for it in in like output or input or whatever. Just this feeling of like, but I didn't, I didn't do it at the right time or whatever is rough. This is why I choose not to feel guilt. It's great. I, can you just start work two hours later? Just, just come in once you stop procrastinating. So just say my actual work hours are. Yeah. They're like two to whatever you're currently setting. 10 to six or whatever. No, maybe. I mean, it's good to show that one, one good thing you got going for yourself here is it says, once I get started, I don't have any issues, issues concentrating. It's just getting started. So if there was some ritual that would kind of jump you into the get started state, I think you'd be pretty good. And maybe that ritual needs to be like pouring yourself a piping hot herbal tea or something. I don't know. That kind of triggers your mind. Okay, this is it. You started. You do power lunges around the block three times. Yeah. While shouting affirmations at yourself. I was thinking of exercise actually as a trigger. Yeah, I think that could work. You know, it's like maybe do some air squats or something, but just something to get your body moving, but also psychologically tricks your brain into believing that it's done procrastinating. Yeah, we're we're doing stuff now. Exactly. We're getting our body moving to prepare to sit still (laughs) in a chair. (laughs) And move your fingers (laughs) rapidly for the next eight hours. Several hours. Yeah. Well, have you answered this question? I don't think so, but uh, hopefully it was enjoyable anyway. (laughs) okay what can people do if they want to help me have another power nap (laughs) and then come back and try and answer more questions we should do a new year's special where for every dollar that people contribute on patreon jameson will take a one minute power nap 
individually. So if, if someone gives $5, do I take five one-minute power naps or do I take <laughs> one five-minute power nap? I don't know. Whatever would be more, whatever would drive more engagement. Probably the <laughs> one-minute ones because you have to be pretty sleep-deprived for that to be <laughs> possible. Those are called micro-sleeps. And they're, if you don't sleep for like 48 hours, then then those start happening. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it feels like time travel. <laughs> Wait, how do you know this? Just great personal experience. <laughs> That's amazing. You just, you're just sitting somewhere and then it's been like two minutes. Oh. And it just, yeah. That sounds really interesting and kind of scary, like especially if you're driving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, people die from this, but I don't know, maybe you can't afford drugs or something but you still want a weird experience <laughs> <laughs> i don't recommend it okay all right we'll catch you next week <laughs> <laughs>